Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to try to insert a little mini-series in here about the Christian and his battles. Nothing makes you think about battling like when you're battling. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, we'll finish off with, but uh, 19 and 20. And uh, those verses have been my life verse for many years now. But starting in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, or having done all to stand, stand there, for having the Lord's good about the truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, and that for utterance me, may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us here this morning, that you'll just pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, that we'll focus in on your word, and that we'll not only see your presence in the written word, Lord, but we'll feel your presence in our spirit, Lord. I pray that today you'll take your word and knock away the edges and the hardness of our hearts, Lord, that today you'll use your word to strengthen us, to encourage us, for these days that we are in, these days of battle, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. Praise, praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Coming up to Ephesians chapter 6, Paul has went up to this moment. He's talked to the church about being unified. He's talked to the church about turning on the new man. He's talked to them about walking in love. He's talked to them about walking in the light. He has now moved in this to say, do not walk in his souls, but here he opens their eyes to the facts that if you were walking in the and if you will walk in truth, and if you will walk not as a fool, he is preparing the child of God for what is the reality of it all. And it is the closer that we cling to God's word, the more we live by it, the more reality is for all of us that we are going to experience battles. Now, no one likes battling. No one likes war. No one likes to be 
removed from this life of peace. No one likes struggles, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical. We don't like the afflictions of this life. But realize that all afflictions in this life are rooted in the wiles of the devil. Whether it's Whether the woes of our hell or the woes of our missteps. missteps. Any of us who've been any saved any been time saved at all know what, what it means to battle. To battle. Several years ago, I left my house in the morning in the rush to go to work, and as I arrived at my truck, I was frustrated to see all of the contents of my truck scattered all along the sidewalk. Someone had done weak and looted through my truck. If that wasn't bad that enough, wasn't while bad I was enough, picking up was picking all the material that the material was in my truck that's in my on the street, my wife hollered my out the door to me, Woody, where did honey, you park my van? Only to realize that I left the keys to her van in my truck and it was stolen. You know, that day dramatically changed my life. I realized that I realized that was the day we needed to go ahead and buy some cameras for the front of our house. I was educated that day about an enemy that I did not know about. I wish I could say that it was over then, but then, just a short time later, we went on vacation and while we were on vacation, someone steal my credit card information and ran up a bill. I said, look at this, criminals on every side. It just seems that everywhere you turn, you're battling the evils of this world. We took extra we took steps, extra, extra steps, precautions. Extra. We're notified on our phones now if our cards are used. We're notified by email when something is wrong with the accounts. You see, we have taken steps to protect, to secure those things that have value to us. No one wants to lose their finances. No one wants to lose their car. Ephesians chapter 6 is about taking the steps that protect the things that is of most value in a believer's life, and that is his spiritual walk. What steps do we take on a daily basis to prevent ourselves from falling prey to the wiles of the devil? What steps do we take as we serve the Lord day in and day out to protect ourselves from falling prey to his Deceitful tricks. Do we even realize whether we, you know, sometimes I think that when we look at what it means to have our spiritual life under attack, we kind of view it as this person who walks up to us out of nowhere and says that God is not real and that Jesus cannot save. Though that is a spiritual battle that you'll face the spiritual battle that happened in the garden didn't start off as a whole opposition unto God. It started off as deception. And that is the one of the main battles in the Christian lives, that we are deceived into thinking we're all right. We're deceived into thinking that this is only a small transgression and it's no big deal at all. 
We're deceived into thinking that because our thought processes are righteous, so to say, that our thought processes are not evil, that we can make a step that is not against God's word because there was no evil or malintent towards it, and it's just not so. This is the battle of the mind. This is the battle of the Christian. This is the battle that we experience. This is the Christian and his battles. This is why Paul encourages them here in Ephesus to now in this moment, the encouragement will come to put on the entire armor of God because you have entered into the battleground. I find it so frustrating that at times, if I were, it seems this way, if I were to lay in bed all day and watch television, that nobody would bother me at all. But it seems that in the moments when I open the Word of God and I try to get away and try to have a time of Bible study, it seems like every time I turn around, it's being interrupted. It's being interrupted whether it wasn't by something bad or was something good. Uh, the other day, I had someone who was worried that I was irritated with them because I've tried to make it a practice in my own life that when it's time to get away and get alone with the word of God, I won't even look at my phone because I know what happens if, if you get alone with God and you start looking at your phone before you know it, you're alone with your phone and completely have left the word of God. There is a war that happens inside in each and every one of us as believers. Now, recognize this. This is a war, but this war is not about who is stronger. Okay? This isn't about whether Satan is stronger or whether God is stronger. The, the, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is stronger. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Then how is this even a battle? How can we battle spiritually? How can we have this Christian battle if the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us is stronger than Satan? Because we rationalize how we conduct ourselves in our Christian lives. We rationalize how we live our lives instead of applying it to the word of God and just yielding to the word of God. We yield to Satan. It's not that we can't overcome sin. We can overcome sin. It's just that we have fallen for the same deception that Eve has fallen for in the garden and went another way. We have power over sin. Verse 20. Once Paul says here in verse 20 that he wants us to be on, or verse 10, he wants us to be on guard. Warren Wiersbe made this statement, and we've heard it many times before. The Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. And we must be on our guard at all times. So, if this is a battleground and not a playground, if Satan is doing his very best to destroy us, how and what is the first step into making our walk, our spiritual walk, protected? You know, 
if I was to tell you that you was to go down this trail, but do not veer off of this trail, because if you veer off of this trail, there is poison there that could sting you and kill you. The likelihood of you veering off that trail is not very likely at all. But the problem is we get in the word of God and it cuts a path for us to follow. We, matter of fact, I would even say that many people got up this morning and read the word of God. Many believers got up this morning and prayed to God. But the problem is we treat this time kind of like the national anthem at the baseball game. <laughs> We're there. We heard it. Good job but it really has nothing to do with why we're there. We get up, we pray, we read the word of God, but as we live out the rest of the day, there is no application of what we have taken in. It was just something that was good that we did. Here in verse 10, Paul lays out some things to the church at Ephesus. The first thing we see in verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren... This is what I'll say is the length of the battle. He is preparing to explain them, explain to them how long this battle is going to happen in the believer's life. He starts off by saying, finally, my brethren, this means from this moment forth. It means henceforth, from this moment on, finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This, finally, this henceforth that Paul is saying is from this moment forward, from the very moment that you entered into a relationship with Christ, you have now entered, you have now begun to engage in a spiritual battle. Paul is saying, henceforth, from this moment forth, you must stay strong. Why would he even have to tell us this? Didn't, he, didn't we just say that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Why is he telling us to stay strong if I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and he's stronger than the devil? The reason he tells us such a thing is because there is a, a risk of believers backsliding. There is a risk of believers stumbling. Now, I know that there are some who say, there is nothing in the word of God. Find me the, the name that says backsliding Christians in the word of God. And I cannot take you to that scripture. What I can take you to is a man named Elijah, who called down fire from heaven, who slayed the prophets of Baal, and then fled from the voice of a woman named Jezebel and wanted God to take him out. I can tell you about a man named Jonah, a preacher who God called to preach, who had become so disgruntled, so disgruntled that God saved souls. Think about this. A preacher who's disgruntled that the message that he's preaching is working. Well, did he lose his salvation? Is this what we're saying then? Did Elijah lose his salvation? Did Jonah lose his salvation? Is that where we really are? No, we know what John chapter 10 and verse 28 says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. 
neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. What did Paul say in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6? Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until you what? You lose your salvation? Until you mess up? Until you sin? Until you make a mistake? No, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. It will not be lost. It cannot be stumbled upon. It cannot be drawn away. It cannot be plucked out of the Father's hand. We are eternally secure. Hallelujah. If we could lose it, we already would have. Every one of us. But there's this reality that Elijah, this mighty prophet used by God, began to lose in his not the physical battle, victory, fire came down. Not the physical war, he slew the prophets of Baal by himself. But the spiritual battle, Elijah began to lose. This is the risk of it all that from the outside things can look good. From the outside we can run a race. From the outside it could be like to the people in the outside world, we have it made in the shade with a glass of lemonade. But spiritually, we are giving up ground. This is Paul's greatest concern. Remember, he's already told the Ephesus, the church at Ephesus back in chapter 3 that he's worried about them because he said grievous, grievous wolves will slip in unawares and deceive you. And we know the church at Ephesus would eventually be deceived. And when we get to Revelations, we've seen that what? They had already been deceived and they had already moved away, that they had lost their first love. They had left their first love. That is the power of deception. That is what it means to be deceived. That is what happens when the Christian on the outside looks good, but has lost his spiritual walk. You go read Ephesus, they tried people, did they not? Did it not say that they tried them which said they were prophets and when they were proved that they were not, they casted them out. It seemed that they did everything right, but they had left the love. The Christian in his battle must never forget what has them engaged in battle. It is this love for Christ, this love that God has put in me, that he's changed my life, this love that I have in me that has caused me to now propel and move forward in service for him. That is what's got me going down the road. And if I ever forget how much Christ loved me and how much I love him, then I've already began to falter. Listen, Satan has no problem with people who are engaged in battle and don't know why. Because they'll quit. They'll soon be, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter. Well, you know what? It, it, it doesn't really need to be this solid, this ground of truth, as Paul tells Timothy. We get in this race at times and we lose our place and we forget that we are heavenward bound. 
we find ourselves comfortable, we find ourselves exhausted. And what Paul is preparing to tell them in this chapter is, finally, brethren, henceforth, from this moment on, do not ever let your armor down. You know why? Why, why Paul says henceforth? Why he says finally, why he says from this moment on, this is a changing point in Ephesians. You know, this word is to say that you cannot change from the moment that you have arrived here at this moment, from this moment forward, you cannot change. And the reason you cannot change, to kind of give you a parallel, in war, if you were captured, the one thing that you always desire to have, the one thing that you was always desire to receive is that you wanted to receive something called quarter. When you received quarter, it meant that you wasn't going to be killed. It wasn't mean that uh, you wasn't going to be, you know, exiled far away when it said, when the, when the edict went forward, hey, conquer this plan and leave no, uh, this place and leave no quarter. It means that everyone died there. Paul said, henceforth, finally, my brethren, to say, listen, there will be no quarter given unto you. There's never going to be a moment where Satan will relent. There's never going to be a moment where there's going to be a temporary truce with the devil. You're never going to find yourself where the hostilities have ceased in your spiritual battle. Henceforth, from this moment on, you must always be on guard. It is from this moment until the end of all time, we are in all-out war. This is why Peter said in 1 Peter 5.8, we know the verse, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You see uh, Peter's opinion there, do you not? It is Peter's opinion that for the believer, that it is Satan's desire to trip you up, that it is Satan's desire to cause you to fall. This is Satan's, de this is Satan's view or Peter's view of Satan, isn't it? No, it is not. Peter's view of Satan is that he seeks to devour you. He seeks to bring you to a place not where you trip, not where you just fall. He wants to bring you to the place where you quit. So Paul's conclusion is the extent of this battle is finally, my brother, and henceforth, from this moment on, the length of time in the battle is from the moment of salvation to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I long for that day. The other day, I was afforded the privilege to go to a football game. And as we were there with the Ingles watching this football game, I was awestruck about how much Volume was produced out of these people and excitement over these footballs that were being passed up and down the field. Now, I tell you that I marveled at their skills, but the rejoicing that came that night as I laid in bed, my mind drifted to the place of 
wow, the excitement and joy, but I began to think of what it will be like the day that Jesus breaks the eastern sky. The amount of joy, the amount of excitement, the amount of happiness that will overwhelm us all. But I believe this verse, finally, my brethren, I believe when Jesus breaks the eastern sky and the amount of joy that is going to overcome his children, the amount of excitement that's going to overcome his believers is going to be the loudest by those who have been engaged in battle and have been longing for some relief. I long for relief from the battles of this life. Not only does he give us the length of the battle here in this word, finally, and meaning from this moment forward, we must be spiritually adorned with the armor. That not only does he give us the length of the battle, but notice what he says here. Finally, my brethren, we not only see the length of this battle, but we see the list of the battalion. Who is all in this? Who is these people who should be prepared for battle? Who are these people who should be engaged in this war? The Bible lets us know that, you know, this battle that we are engaged in is not localized to Cincinnati, Ohio. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 9, and we know that we are of, we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. This spiritual battle that we are engaged in is all across the entire world. The whole world is under the influence of the prince and the power of the air, which means that all the believers of the world have found themselves engaged in spiritual warfare. Notice again what Paul says, finally, my brethren. Oftentimes we arrive in the house of God and we go all week and we don't read our Bible, but what does it matter if we don't read our Bible? Because as long as our pastor does. What does it matter if we don't pray all week because as long as my pastor's prayed up, he's going to feed me from what he's gleaning from. As long as the deacons are praying, as long as my Sunday school teacher is praying, as long as my youth leader and his wife are praying, as long as the treasurers are going, as long as they're in touch with their spiritual life, they will give me what they have taken in, and I will be prepared for battle all week. No. Finally, my brethren, this spiritual battle is not just for pastors. It's not just for deacons. It's not just for youth leaders. It's for the entire group of believers. The entire church must be prepared for battle. We should all feel the engagement of the battle. And if you say, well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I feel no engagement at all. I feel no war at all. I feel no spiritual battle at all. Maybe it's because you've never been engaged. If you can live your Christian life and not be afflicted by the woes of this life, it should cause you to wonder if you are even saved. Every day it afflicts me. The Bible, even with Lot, 
who made terrible decisions. Even with Lot, who chose to live in a wicked place. Even Lot, who went down into Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible, by the time we get to Peter, says, Righteous Lot was grieved every day. Listen, he had given up spiritual ground. He had failed in his spiritual walk. He had failed as the father that God had called him to be. He had failed as the spiritual leader that he was supposed to be. But in the end of it all, Peter says he was still grieved by sin where are we does sin grieve us do we feel like we're engaged in spiritual warfare do we even feel bothered by the things that we see do we even feel bothered by the woes of this life we should be grieved it should afflict us to see the sins of this world every day I wake up even when I don't look at the television. I don't even need the TV. I don't need to know about things that my kids did. I don't need to know about things that the world did to be bothered and to be at war. Every day I wake up, even by myself alone in the house, there is a war amongst my members. There is a war against the spirit and the flesh. There is a battle in my mind. There is spiritual warfare going on. Who will get these first moments of my day? Will it be the Lord or NBC? Will it be the Lord or will it be my job? Will it be the Lord or will it be my family? Who is priority in our life. Not only do we see the length of time in this world when he says, finally, my brethren. But notice he also says that not only does he show us this list of battalions, but he also gives us this lengthy briefing. Paul says here, finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord. I'm going to give you something about this statement here, and we're going to return back to these verses this evening. When Paul says to them, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, this is written in present imperative. When something is given in present imperative, Imperative, it means this must be continually followed. It means that we should habitually follow this command. The present imperative is often called the, the long-term commitment and calls the attitude or action to be one's continual way of life. It is to say that be strong in the Lord is a continual lifestyle in which we live. It is imperative. It is not that we should only be strong today. It's that we should be strong every day. It's not that we should be strong when trials come and strong when troubles come. It says that we should be strong and ready for trials to even come. Be strong in the Lord. 
It is to live strong in the Lord. It is to continually live strong in the Lord. Now we have seen a, a couple things. One, that the Christian life is war. And two, that we have unhindered access to power to defeat the wiles of the devil. And we see here that the strength to do so is not only in the Lord. This means that if you have a fruitless Christian life, even though you have the power inside of you to have a fruitful Christian life because you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it means that if you have a fruitless Christian life, it is your fault. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He can do it all. He has the power to revive us. He has the power to energize our walk again. He has the power to give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you're here this morning and you have a lethargic Christian life, if you're here this morning and you're not faithful to the house of God, don't worry. You're still going to make it to heaven if you're saved. But when you live that way, and when you choose to live that way, when you choose to live that life, you forfeit all of the blessings that God has intended for you to have in your life. We discussed in Sunday school this morning how the Bible says that the house of God, that the church is the manifold wisdom of God. Take that in. The place you come to worship, the one in which Christ laid his life down for, he gave his life for the church. The Bible says this church building, this not the building, the people, is the manifold wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. God in his wisdom instituted the church, so that we could practice what Proverbs says is iron sharpeneth iron, so that we as believers could come here and inspire each other and spur each other on to love and good works, that we could come here and give testimony about what an amazing God we serve the manifold wisdom of God. I don't know about you, but I desperately need the church. I desperately need each and every one of you. I love each and every one of you. This is one of the things that was uh, notified like in the New Testament. When you study out the New Testament, you know what you'll find about Jesus' disciples? What is one of the things that made them be noticed? They had love for one another. Listen, the Christian in these battles, we'll pick it back up tonight, but we're battling. We are at war. The length of it, it's exhausting to think about. From this moment forward, who all is engaged 
each and every one of us. Yet, Paul's present imperative is that there is a power that we have unlimited access to that make, can make us victorious every day. Think about that. I know most of us here are humans, right? There are times that I'm disgruntled with myself where I fail as a pastor. There are times that I'm disgruntled with myself because I fail as a father. There are times that I am disgruntled where I fail as a husband. I make mistakes. But there is a power in the Lord that we can access to and have unlimited power to overcome sin and bad decisions. I make mistakes, but I turn to God and say, Lord, give me the strength to never go down that road again. I make mistakes, but I am thankful that there's not only access to the Father for forgiveness, but for the strength to continue on even when we make mistakes. The journey is not easy. We've seen that even if you read the New Testament. Here's Peter, the, the man in front of the line. I'll never leave you. Cock crows, he denies the Lord thrice. What an epic failure in Peter's life. What a failure in, in, in battling for the Lord. And yet, when the Lord sought him out to give him restoration, the Lord sought him out to give him restoration and restored him. And what do we find? Peter went in again on the day of Pentecost as he preached the word of God. You thought, what the high, this is the highlight of Peter's life. And then you find him over being confronted by Paul for making bad decisions again about who he's going to eat with and who he's not going to eat with. We have these ups and downs, but we must never quit the battle. We make mistakes, but quitting is not an option. As we continue on this evening, I pray that we all realize that this battle that we're in, that we can be victorious if we will yield ourselves to the Spirit. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time in your word. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this afternoon, that you'll bless our time of fellowship, Lord, with each other. Lord, I pray that you'll um, be with us as we're in ministry, Lord, and I pray that we'll all gather back here this evening, Lord, to continue to glean from your word. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We pray that you'll strengthen us, that we'll take the words that we heard this morning and that you'll write it upon our hearts and minds and that when we leave here and when we wake up in the mornings, Lord, and when we go to bed in the evening, that we are constantly and acutely aware, Lord, that we are engaged in battle. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for the opportunity to even preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen.